It seems as if you put the word real in front of anything, it tends to sell more. 100% real leather is better than 100% imitation leather, right? I want to drink 100% real orange juice, not that watered down stuff. I remember when Coke used to be the real thing. Well, today, as we go through our series on the book of James... James is going to be talking about the difference between a real Christian and a counterfeit Christian. Real Christianity as opposed to counterfeit Christianity. We're in a series entitled Developing a Faith That Works. And James, as he takes us through chapter 2, 14 to 26, is going to help us to understand how to have Real faith. Now, we're going to be looking at one of the most controversial verses in all the Bible, especially, for certain, the book of James. It appears that James is saying we are saved by our works. Not true. He's not saying that at all. Uh, We already know from reading the Apostle Paul and the rest of the Scriptures Uh, that we are saved by what? Faith in God. It is faith. Uh, When I stand before the Lord and he says, why should I let you into heaven? You know what I'm going to say? Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. How about you? You know, I'm not going to say, well, you know, I preached at this church for 37 years. I taught junior high boys. You want to talk about a tough job. I'm not going to be saying about any of those things. I'm going to be clinging to the cross. I'm holding on to my faith in Jesus. And so as we look at the Apostle Paul and we look at James and these controversial passages, you need to understand something, that they're on the same page. Paul's not saying one thing and James not saying another. They're in the same army. They are just fighting different enemies from different directions. Paul, if you remember, in the book of Galatians, was fighting against legalism, the works of the law. That was the problem that was going on at Galatia. James is fighting against lackadaisical Christians that aren't living up to their calling. Uh, Paul is fighting against the Jewish laws or works of the law. And uh, he's talking about a lifestyle as opposed to, um, well, boy, that's all mixed up there. Let me look at these notes here. Paul was fighting the problem of legalism. James fighting the legalistic, lackadaisical Christians. Paul's talking about works of merit, something you earn. James is talking about works of faith. Big difference between a work of merit and a work of faith. Paul is talking about how to know 
that you're a Christian. And James is talking about how to show you're a Christian. You see the difference? You see they're coming from two different angles. So what is real faith? How do I know I've got it? How do you know you've got real faith? Five ways, James says. Ready for number one? You got your outline out? Real faith is not just something you say. Talk is cheap. You can talk a good line. You can say whatever you want, but that's not real faith. James 2 verse 14. What good is it, my brothers? If a man, what's the next word? Claims. Mark it down. Whenever a writer of the Bible says something like this, if a man claims, mark it down, someone was claiming it at that church. They were claiming to have faith, but they had no deeds. There was nothing in their lifestyle that would show that. Can that faith, can such a faith like that be real? Can that really save him? Now, He's not saying the guy actually has faith. He's just saying this guy claims to have faith. You've met Christians like this, right? I mean, you see them like twice a year, Easter and Christmas. But they can talk the jargon, hallelujah, praise the Lord, you know. The Lord be with you, God bless you. I mean, they know all the the right stuff to say. But when you look at their life, there's not a whole lot of substance there. James is saying, hmm, better take a look at this. Another double take. Gallup, a Gallup poll said that there are more than 50 million people in America that claim to be Christians. But that doesn't mean that they all are, right? Haven't you lived long enough to know that not everyone who claims to be a Christian really is? Well, of course, and that's all James is saying. He's saying, you guys have figured that out. Talk is cheap. The second thing he says, faith is is not just something you feel. What is real faith? It's not just something you say, and it's not just something that you feel. Never confuse feelings with faith. You know, it just may have been, you know, a quiver in your liver. May have been, you know, indigestion, something you ate last night for dinner. I mean, you may have had just one of those spiritual moments where you just felt really, really good for some spiritual reason. That's that's not the real deal, James says. You can have a feeling without having faith. Notice he says in verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food or pillowcases to lay their heads down at night. You saw those pillowcases, didn't you? And they don't even have daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warmed and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, now he's making an analogy here, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is, what's the next word? Dead. That's not faith. Hey, I said, be warmed and filled, brother. I said, God bless you. James says, no action. The guy's still hungry. There's still no pillowcases. There's still 
a need to be met. James says, it's not the real deal. In other words, faith is not sentimental. Faith is always practical. You can see it. Someone said, sympathy says, oh, I'm sorry you hurt. Empathy says, oh, I hurt with you. But compassion, this is what James is talking about. Real compassion says, I'll do anything within my power to stop the hurt. To take away the pain. To fill that need. To stop that gap. You know, over and over again in the scriptures, you'll read about the life of Christ. And he would see the people who were like sheep without shepherds. He would see their physical needs. He would see them hungry. And it says he was filled with compassion for them. Now, whenever you read that phrase, here's the next thing you will see. Jesus always does something about it. It never says, and Jesus was filled with compassion and turned and walked away. It never says that. Jesus was filled with compassion, and then he does something about it. James is making a comparison, an analogy. Notice verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If you are a real believer, you will do something about it. You see that? There's a comparison here, an analogy here. So real faith is not just something you say. Anybody can say they have faith. Anybody can say that they're a believer. Anybody can make a claim. And anybody can have a feeling of sympathy or maybe even a little empathy and not do anything about it. It's not real faith, according to James. Number three, real faith is not just something you think. It's up here. It's in this gray matter. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith. Well, I have deeds. It's almost like two guys are in an argument here, a faith guy and a deed guy. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Hey, I'm into faith. You're into deeds. Great. Let's debate it. James is saying, no, faith is not one of those things that you debate. Faith is one of those things that you do. And notice again and again, you'll see this phrase. I, I put it in bold letters here. Show me, show me, show me. It's kind of like he's from Missouri, right? Is that the show me state? Show me, prove it to me. We're not gullible. You know, <laughs> I know if it's real or if it's not real. Come on, let me see something here. No, no, don't, don't look at my life. Just look at what I say. Don't look at what I do. Faith is not something you debate. It's something you do. Someone said faith is odorless, colorless, and weightless. So, how do you know if you've got it or not? Anybody remember watching The Invisible Man when you were growing up on television? I'm not talking about the movie. I, don't, I didn't even see the movie. I saw the, the one on television, black and white TV. And, and you had to move the rabbit ears on the TV to get it to come in just about right. Some of these young people are saying, Rab, what are rabbit ears doing on our television? Ask someone over 50 and they'll tell you all about that. 
the only way you knew that the invisible man was in the room is you started seeing things happening. An action of some kind took place. A door would swing open, but nobody's there. The blinds would move. A curtain would sway. Sometimes you'd see a, uh, I remember this one time there was a, 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 tea, a teacup and a saucer. It rose and it moved across the room. The way you knew the invisible man was in the room is you saw things happening. That's the analogy that he's showing here. It's in action. You can see it. You say, well, Bruce, my husband, he, he's a Christian. I said, oh, really? Does he ever hang out with other Christians? Well, no. Does he ever go to church? No. Does he ever read his Bible? Well, no. You ever catch him praying? Oh, no. Does he ever tithe? Oh, no. Does he ever take communion with the saints? No. Does he ever sing praises to God? No. Does he ever share his faith with anybody else? Oh, absolutely not. Then how do you know he's a Christian? Well, he thinks he is. It's not something you think. It's an action. Real faith is not just something you feel think you can see it you grab hold of a 220 electrical outlet or line with one hand i guarantee you you'll see the effects of that 220 in your body 110 is enough right we've all done that i thought you said the circuit breaker was off boom man you feel the effects you see the effects of what electricity can do well in the same way that's kind of what james is saying here you grab hold of god And you will see the effects of the power of God, what, in your own life. You will see the effects. It will show up in some way. It will show up in what you do. You'll see people on a hot Thursday, August day and evening come out and talk to people on the streets in uptown Whittier. You've got an opportunity to do that, by the way, this week and the week after that, from what I understand. It will show up. If you have faith, I'm not saying that's what you have to do for it to show up. Whatever ministry God's called you to do, do it for the Lord, and we'll see the effects of God in you. Uh, it's kind of like a calorie. You can't see a calorie. You can only see the effects of a calorie. Stop looking at me. You mean to your preacher right now. I kind of think of it in this way. It's kind of like this song. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely. Amen? I don't have to say any more than that. That's all James is saying. Real faith is not just something you say, it's not just something you feel, and it's not just something you think. Number four, or we're moving through this rapidly today, right? Real faith is not just something you believe. You know, a lot of people have strong beliefs about God. But that's not a lot, enough if you don't do something with those beliefs, right? Are you a believer in God? Well, yes, of course. I've always believed in a God. As a matter of fact, there's a... There's a dollar bill in my wallet that says, in God we trust. 
I must be a believer. James says, not. It don't work like that. Come on. Verse 19, you believe that there is a God. One God, even. Good, great, fantastic. Even the demons believe in that. And they do what? Shudder. It's the Greek word for to bristle. They, when they think about God, when demons think about God, you know what they do? They bristle. And the, it's kind of like the back of the hair on your neck as it stands up and it's like, oh, yeah, there's a God. And they know his power. They, they know his omnipotence. And they know their coming fate. And they bristle at that. And so James comes along and he says, oh, you're a believer in God? Great, fantastic. You're right up there with the demons. How does that make you feel? They, they, they believe that. Now, are the demons going to be in heaven? No. Devil going to be in heaven? No. Why? No relationship. They don't have a relationship with God. They're not putting their full weight and faith down on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his saving power. They're in rebellion against God. The Christian, on the other hand, that has real faith, he is putting that faith in Jesus Christ, and he has a relationship. It can be seen in that relationship. The word for belief for a Christian uh, it's the word that means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, or to put one's full weight upon. Have you ever sat in a chair, but before you sat in that chair, you had to size it up to see if it would hold you? And when you made a mental assessment, I believe in that chair, and then you sit on it and put your full weight on it. Now you've put your faith in it. That's the idea. I see Jesus Christ. He's no ordinary man. He was a man, 100% man, but also 100% God at the same time. And I am putting my full faith in him to get me from point A to point B. Where is that? From earth to heaven and nobody else. It's Jesus Christ alone. That's what it means. I am clinging to Jesus. Not my deeds, not my works. It's a very different thing. But it can be seen in my deeds, James says. It can be seen in my works. It's not just head knowledge. You know, some people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches they know about God, but they don't know God. Where? In their heart. It's head knowledge only. And I've, I've talked to people who believe there is a God. It just makes more sense than, you know, evolution or some other means of creation. You know, design demands a designer. They see that. There must be intelligent design behind this universe. And they may even believe that Jesus Christ is a son of God. That makes sense to them. But they will not put their full weight upon Jesus to save them. It's just words. It's head knowledge. No relationship at all. But then there's one final point. I want you to see this. And hopefully we can clarify this. Because right now you've been hearing, 
a whole lot about faith, and you've been hearing a whole lot about works. And you've heard Paul say, for it is by grace we are saved through faith. And we've heard James says, faith without works is dead. And it sounds like they're in conflict. They are not in conflict. These two guys are on the same page. It's called the Word of God. They both are inspired. Would you not agree? They are not saying something different. All Scripture is inspired of God, not just Paul's writings, okay? And, and James either. Those two guys are in agreement. Paul's talking about works of merit. That cannot save you. James is talking about works of faith. Shows that you are saved. Do you see the difference? Do you see how this is shaping up? So I want to doubly clarify it with point five. Real faith is something you do. It's active. What do you mean by that, James? Well, verse 20. When will you ever learn that believing is useless without doing what God wants you to do? Faith that does not result in good deeds is not real faith. He's saying the way that you know that you have real faith is by looking at your life. You ever stop and look at your life and say, Do I see anything there? Do I see the power of God? Do I see the effects of God working on me, molding me, shaping me, keeping me going in the right direction? How do I visibly show that I have faith? You know, one of the best ways to do it is the moment you become a believer. You know, I can show that you're a believer. There may be some people here today when we offer an invitation that will say, wow, You know what? I believe that book. I believe the Word of God. I believe every bit of it, what Paul says and what James says. And I am trusting Jesus right now in my heart to save me from all my sins. I am now a believer, okay? James says, that's great. Now, you may know you're a believer, but do we? No. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. How do I show it? The very first command of every believer is to put the Lord on in baptism. Did you know that? You know, when Jesus left this world, as he's leaving, the very last command he gives to his disciples, you can read this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Don't take the time to read it right now. Trust me on this. Believe me on this. Read it later. His very last command as he leaves the planet He said, I'm coming back one day, but until I come back, you guys go make disciples. Now, what do you do with a disciple? You baptize them. In whose name? Buddha? Muhammad? You know? No. In the name of Jesus, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And then then you just hang them up to drip dry and go off to the next one, right? No, then teach them some more. Teach them whatsoever I've commanded you. And what has Jesus just commanded them? Go make disciples and baptize those disciples and teach those disciples some more. Do you see how this thing just keeps going and going and going? Have you baptized, have you made a disciple and have you baptized a disciple lately? We're going to have a baptism here in just a few moments. Did you know that? I know that. I just feel it. Hello, God. 
They're running a little late. Okay. Mike will be here soon, and he's going to bring the whole Spanish church because Mike has been working with someone who wants to show his faith today and put the Lord on in baptism. Isn't that great? And so... But I don't know that there's not other people in here today that have said, I'm a believer. I've just never taken that step of baptism. We can baptize you today too. What a great opportunity. It's the very first thing that a believer does. Baptism, uh, is, is, it's, it's a public identifying. You can see it. Someone said baptism's the wedding ring of the Christian life. That's a good analogy. One day I said I do to Jesus. And then I put him on in baptism. Forty years ago, I said I do to Jane. And then I put on a wedding ring to show everybody, look. You know, what if I said to her, honey, let's, let's get married, but let's not tell anyone about it. And we'll only wear our rings when we're together. You know what she'd say to me? Get out of here, Jack. That ain't going to happen. You know what? And yet we tell Jesus all the time, you know what? I'm just going to be a secret service saint. God, it's just going to be you and me, just our little faith together. Let's not show anybody. You know, it's kind of like, are you a clairol, you know, faith? Only God knows for sure, you know, kind of thing. No. If you don't know what that is, it's a hair dye. They still sell that stuff. How, how can a person claim to follow Jesus and then procrastinate on being baptized? I cannot comprehend that. James gives an illustration using two people to show what real faith is. And he's going to talk about Abraham and he's going to talk about Rahab. Abraham, these two people couldn't be further apart. Abraham was a man. Rahab was a woman. Abraham was Jewish. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was one of the patriarchs. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham is a somebody. Rahab is a nobody. Abraham is a major character in the Bible. Rahab is a very minor character in the Bible. And now he uses these two people as an illustration to show us it doesn't matter who you are, or where you came from, or what your background is, if you've got the most important thing, faith in God. And both of them had it. Isn't that neat? And it showed up in their lives. It wasn't something they just thought. It wasn't just something that they felt. They did something. Now he illustrates verse 21. You foolish men. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? His faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete or whole by what he did. Scripture was fulfilled when he said, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. The Apostle Paul makes that same quotation. 
and he was called God's friend. How did we know that Abraham believed God? Well, we saw it, didn't we? If you remember the story of him offering Isaac, God says, Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, who's become the apple of your eye, who's become an idol, and I'm not number one anymore. Let's get this thing on straight. Let's get this thing balanced back again. You take him over here to Mount Moriah. It's about a three-day journey. Build an altar, put him on it, and kill him. Sacrifice him to me. Don't you know that had to just boggle Abraham's mind? Wait a second, wait a second. Aren't you the same God that 25 years ago plus told me to leave my father and mother and leave these idol worshipers who did human sacrifice and get away from there and go to a land that I will show thee and I'll bless thee and I'll... Yep, same God. And now you're telling me to do exactly what they were doing back then? Human sacrifice, terrible things? He didn't understand it. Has God ever asked you to do something you didn't understand? But you obeyed anyway? How do I know he believed God? Well, he got up early the next morning, the story says. Why is he up early? I don't know. When I'm fidgety, when I got to do something that's really, really hard for God, I don't sleep very well. And I'm up early the next morning, and so was Abraham. And he takes his son, he takes some servants, they grab some wood, grab some rope, and they grab a knife. And they take a three-day journey. They get to Mount Moriah. Says to the servants, you guys wait here. I'm going to take the board. We're going to go up to the top of the mountain. We're going to offer a sacrifice, and then we're coming back. Notice he says, we are coming back, not I am coming back. Look at the tremendous faith he had. Well, if I kill him, God must have the power to raise him up again. Do you see the guy's thinking? Do you see the guy's faith? Do you see the guy's believing? He did something. And God says, you're my friend. Now, Abraham was already a believer by this point, right? In Genesis 12, he's asked to leave. In Genesis 15, he's called righteous by God. 25 years earlier. He's not saying Abraham was saved by his works. He's saying he's showing how much Abraham believed God by his works. Not saved by them, but He's a believer, and now you can see the faith that is within him in the same way. Now, the second illustration, Rahab the harlot. Bruce, are there going to be prostitutes in heaven? This one is. Anybody can go to heaven. God is no respecter of persons. You put your faith in Jesus' son. I mean real faith. Not just thinking it, talking it, saying a good line. But real faith. You will be in heaven no matter your background doesn't matter where you've been in your past. What direction are you headed now? I'm going with a life of faith. In the same way was not Rahab the prostitute. Next verse. In the same way. Oh, I like that word same. What kind of faith did this prostitute have? Who did she just get through talking about? Father Abraham. In the same way. The same faith Abraham had, Rahab had. Isn't that cool? You can have the same faith as a harlot. You can have the same faith as Father Abraham. In the same way, even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what he or she did 
when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Our faith is demonstrated by what we do. There's a knock on the door. These guys had obviously were hiding out. Spies were found. There were two spies. Joshua sent them into the land, and they go to her house. She hides them on a rooftop. They knock on the door. Hey, we know there's some spies around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw them. They, they left earlier, they, just before the city gates were closed. And I don't know what they, direction they, they went, but you better hurry if you want to get them. What did she just do? She, she showed faith and saved two of God's people. Our faith is demonstrated by what we do. On June 30th, 1859, the famous tightrope walker, George Blundeen, walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Thousands of people showed up. They say upwards of 10,000, but no one really counted, but just a huge crowd. They want to see this unbelievable feat. And he walked out. I mean, you got this big big old three-inch rope. Didn't use the cables we use today. This is on a rope. This side on the U.S. side, that side on the Canadian, stretched across, and he put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. When he got to the middle, there was a little hesitation. Everyone thought, sure, he's going to fall to his death, but not so. He kept right on walking, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and finally he gets to the other side, and the crowd just went bananas, man. The uproar, the applaud, the the shouts, the hooray, the, the praise. And Blondine says, hey, guys, bring your friends. This summer, I'm going to do this eight more times. And the crowd just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think it was the last time. He said, you think that was something? He took a wheelbarrow, filled it with dirt, the weight of a human being, a man, and walked it across to the other side. And when he got to the other side, everyone, again, uproar. One tourist was, was heard to say, Mr. Blondine, I believe you could do that all day long. He says, so do I. And he dumped the dirt out and he says, hop in. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Talk, 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 talk. Faith without works is dead. Are you getting this? And Jesus, someone says, oh, I believe Jesus Christ can save me. Jesus says, you're right. Hop in. Hop in. Look at this verse. Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as have been, what? What's the next word? baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, all wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm his, he's mine. My faith is completely in him, but now you can see it. I'm not a secret service saint. I am the real deal. I am showing my faith. Actions speak louder than words. Bruce, are you saying that I've got to do good works In order to be saved, no, 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 a thousand times, no. Don't misunderstand me and don't misunderstand James. Good works are not the root of salvation. They are the fruit of salvation. You see the distinction? They don't make you a Christian. They show that you are a Christian. Get it? 
good. Now, a good verse to show both of these truths. Uh, case and put Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 10 on here. For, and this is the good news version. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through, what's the next word? Faith. So we got the faith part there. It is not your own doing, but God's gift. And in our union with Christ, how do we get into union with Christ? For as many of us who were baptized into Christ, we just read that. He has created us for a life of leisure and not showing our faith. Is that what it says? He has created us for a life of good. What's the next word? Works, which he has already prepared for us to do. And you know what? He's gifted you to do them. Where God guides, he provides. Find out what you're good at. Find out what you're gifted at. What makes your heart beat fast? What gets you excited for God about? And do that. Two summary statements and we'll be done. I am not going long today. Other people that talked before me went long. The basis of my salvation, watch this, is God's grace. Do you see that? But the proof of my salvation is in my ministry. Do you have a ministry? Some say, am I supposed to have a ministry? Well, if you're a believer in Jesus, my Bible says you do. Serving God by serving other people. You are saved to serve. Guys, it's just part of the deal. It shows your faith. If your faith doesn't lead you to do good works, James would say, It's not real faith. And so, what are you going to do as a result of today's message? I mean, specifically, what are you going to do? Some of you need to be baptized. Some of you need to place membership. Some of you need to start a daily quiet time, picking up this book and reading it. Some of you need to discover your God-given shape to find out what you're good at so you can do your ministry. Some of you need to fulfill your mission, lead others to Christ. Some of you need to be consistent in your church attendance. And some of you need to bring somebody with you to the worship services. Don't come alone. Don't do ministry alone. And so remember, here's the big idea. We're leaving you with these thoughts. The basis of my salvation is God's grace. And the proof of my salvation is my ministry. Let's pray about it. Heavenly Father, there are people here today who have believed in you, but they've never yet stepped across the line and put you on a baptism. Would you let today be their day? Others are believers, they're baptized believers, but they've just never connected with a a church family. And they've never become a part of a small group, or they've never begun having spiritual habits in their life, like a daily quiet time. Would you help us not to be just doers, or not just hearers of the word, but also doers of the word? We need your help here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.